Hello, and welcome to the I Love a Clean San Diego podcast. I'm Steve Morris, Executive Director at I Love a Clean San Diego, and your host for today's inaugural episodes. I'm here to take you on a journey as we highlight the remarkable individuals who are leading sustainability efforts throughout our region. This podcast will connect listeners to the stories of passionate people, sustainability experts, and environmental leaders with the goal of empowering every San Diegan to become an environmental steward. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Bill Haynes, the longest tenured current board member on the I Love a Clean San Diego Board of Directors. Bill, nice to see you. Welcome. Thanks, Steve. It's a great pleasure to be here and to be allowed to express some of my views. So my first question for you today, Bill, is let our audience get to know you a little bit. Tell us about uh, what your role is with I Love a Clean San Diego, where you live, and how you spend your time. Um, Thanks, Steve. Right now, I'm a retired uh, commercial real estate broker. Um, I have been with I Love a Clean San Diego for nearly uh, 20 years. I feel it's really part of my life. It's one of the very few activities that I keep up with and want to do uh, a great deal. The My interest in I Love a Clean San Diego started over 20 years ago uh, when a friend recommended going out on one of the cleanups. Uh, I did so. Uh, I found that two hours spent uh, getting trash off a beach that would ultimately end up in the water was a a very, very good, gave me a good feeling. So Bill, what was your earliest memory of appreciation for the ocean and the outdoors here in San Diego? It wasn't in San Diego, Steve. I was actually, uh, grew up on a beach. The beach was the front yard we moved to a place in Laguna uh, where I put on a face mask in 1946. An older eighth grader showed me how to skin dive. The water was very, very clear. The water was full of fish. Kelp grew abundantly. It was a wonderful experience. I didn't keep up so much with skin diving. When I was 15, I started surfing and surfed for 58 years. But with that comes a love of the ocean, uh, a love of a, a clean ocean, whether it's high tide or whether it's low tide. To me, it's always been Uh, a crime to see plastic, litter, trash, or debris on a beach. So when I Love a Clean San Diego came along, it was a very natural feeling for me to join something, to join a movement that would do something and and, uh, about the environment. Yeah, that's fascinating because we talk about how appreciation leads to action because you appreciate something, you care about it. And your story basically is, is an embodiment of that. You, you loved the ocean, you were in the ocean. And once you started to see 
things like trash floating around, it inspired you to take action. And when you found I Love a Clean San Diego, you had mentioned you were introduced by a friend. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that introduction came to be? Well, part of being on the beach, I learned another sport called beach volleyball, and which I played as much as possible, along with surfing. Uh, a former board member here quite some time ago, an oceanographic engineer named David Skelly, uh, mentioned the organization to me. And then I told him, uh, I thought it was very enjoyable. He said, why don't you get yourself onto the board and uh, you'll make a real contribution, Bill. And how have you seen the organization shift or change or evolve over your 20 years of being involved? That's a wide-ranging uh, question. I think technology has had a lot to do with it in getting the word out to the people that we want to reach, the people who want a better, a cleaner environment. And so all of the people we have now are extremely adept in getting the word out. We use the social media. We all correspond by email instead of by letters. Um, and everything gets done faster. And I, and I believe we reach far more people. The, the spirit of the people behind the movement is the same. They're all dedicated. We just have much better tools now. That's amazing to hear that the spirit has maintained through all these years with the organization. That's something I think we should all be really proud of. Uh, and I'm really curious along your journey, if you've encountered any inspiring people or stories or experiences by you know attending a cleanup or being involved in some of the I Love a Clean San Diego programs. I'd love to learn more about maybe some of the, the inspiring uh, environmentalists you've met along the way. I think that the most inspiring thing that I see when I go out to beach cleanups or when I was a site captain myself, um, what inspired me most were the younger couples, the people that really believe, the couples with kids two to six years old that brought the kids out because there was a family that really believed in our mission. And I remember those more clearly than anything else, uh, because those people may still be with us. So when you first got involved with the organization uh, and you were kind of asked to join the board, um, what, was your, what was your first experience like becoming a board member? Uh, how did you learn to take on that role and, and what did that mean to you? It was a big step. I'd never been on a board officially. Uh, I assumed that my perspective as a businessman would be uh, would be appreciated there. I had something to offer as well as having been around bays and oceans um, all my life. I uh, It was very rewarding. Uh, the meetings we had uh, as a board were always very informative. They produced wonderful ideas, some of which we were able to capitalize on. Uh, some were just dreams that went awry. But it's been, I, I just enjoyed the entire process of having my shoulder uh, pushing forward in the right direction. 
And I got to ask, what keeps you going today in terms of your involvement? You're on the board. You're still showing up to cleanups and volunteering. And, you know, what's the what's the secret behind this motivation? Well, at age 86, my objectives and goals in life have not changed. And from what I can tell, our organization is is doing more, getting more done, although my ability, because of my age, is limited. I also am limited. I'm not out mixing with business people the way I used to be. Uh, I don't feel my contribution is as significant, but the mission is the same. Uh, we need to be out there educating people, and we need to be uh, educating people by our cleanups and by the other groups that we're associated with, such as um, Keep America Beautiful uh, and other, and working with the city, working with other governmental agencies around the county, it's very meaningful. So when I think about what I do, I don't do as much as I could or should, um, but I feel, uh, uh, I get a very good feeling about it. Well, I think you contribute a lot <laughs> to the organization and shouldn't sell yourself short. I'm curious, how many, I mean, maybe you won't know this exact number, but how many of our events, cleanups, you know, the big countywide events, how many do you feel like you've attended or, or been involved in over the last 20 years? I would say I have probably missed only one or two. I've been involved in all wow. in one way or another. Um some as a site captain before I was really on the board. Uh, we developed a plan some years ago where I would go to two or three sites in the big cleanups and just in general uh, meet the site captains, show them some appreciation on behalf of the board and uh, do a little picking up. But it was mainly just uh, sort of a... Uh, uh, a cheerer upper, shall we say? Yeah, and for our audience, um, if they if they're not sure what a site captain is, um, maybe you can tell them a little bit about it. But it's a volunteer role that really anybody can sign up for. The site captain is an integral part of uh, our lar our major cleanups or any cleanup for that matter, and we do smaller ones by the month. The site captain has uh, gloves, they have material on I Love a Clean San Diego, uh, buckets, bags, they set up a little stand, uh, an easy up with uh, suntan lotion, snacks, and they log in the volunteers. Sign. They have the volunteers sign waivers, and they generally... <clears throat> weigh all of the material as it comes in. Uh, many's the time I've seen site captains uh, down on their knees sorting cigarette butts from the rest <laughs> of the uh, the rest of the trash uh, just to make sure everything goes in the right place once it is collected. They're very uh, motivated people. They're an inspiration to be around and an integral part of every cleanup. We need, for a major cleanup, we need well over 100. Uh, and That's they're right. great, and it wouldn't work without them. 
That was so thorough, Bill. I think we're going to invite you to be our site captain uh, educator and you can teach them all because it is an incredibly important role. And there's a lot of details, as you just described, um, that go into it. And, and absolutely, we are always looking for new site captains to support those two big countywide annual cleanups, uh, Creek to Bay in April and Coastal Cleanup Day in September. So now I'm curious... After 20 plus years and dozens and dozens of different sites and cleanups, what are some of the most interesting things you may have come across when cleaning up a park or a beach and stuff that people leave behind? I used to volunteer to take the farthest out site, and if no one else sort of wanted. Uh, two years in a row, I did, uh, a, as a site captain, Lake Hodges. And it is, if you're familiar with it, it's a long, narrow, it's almost more like a river. Mm -hmm. So the first year, we had an area probably two miles long. We developed a relay system for the volunteers. When they finished, they would be out, head down the road, fill up their sack, and I'd come by and pick them up and then pick up another person, take them back, get a fresh new bag, and we get to the end of Lake Hodges, finally, in a relay fashion. But it was very, uh, all the uh, people thought it was fun to ride out with each other and bring the bags back. Year number two was rather interesting. I went to set up the, uh, the Easy Up, got all the materials all organized, and it was right next to a bait shack. Uh, and I did notice coming in that the area was really clean. And I wondered, what are the people going to do? So I walked to the bait shack and asked them. And they said, oh, yes, yeah, sir, it is clean. The prisoners have been out here all week. So <laughs> we had people that preceded us. They did all the work for you. Wow. And you mentioned earlier about the role of the site captain separating the trash from the recycling and the cigarette butts. And again, just educating the audience here that, that we do that because we want that data to make it to some of the larger conservation organizations that really study, you know, what litter shows up where and why. And that helps them inform potential policymakers and other big decisions. And it's interesting, and, I, and I'll ask you, I think I know the answer, but what is the number one item that you've seen in terms of litter collected over the last 20 years? Well, our most dangerous opponent and what we really want to get out are cigarette butts because they have, they are not only trash and litter, they've got poison in them. So that's it. Uh, the other one that I think is pretty bad are the, uh, tiny containers that come from fast food joints that hold uh, salsa and ketchup and mustard. Those little guys stay around. It's easy to pick up a bucket, or excuse me, it's easy to, to pick up a bottle, but you have to really hunt and, and get those small items. The smaller ones are frankly more dangerous than the larger ones. The tiny ones that are half an inch by an inch, they're the ones that wash easily into the river, the bay, or the ocean. 
Yeah, and those lightweight pieces can get blown by the wind, and they're easy to move around. And it, yeah, I, I I see those kind of shrapnel, as I like to call them, pieces floating all over the place. But it's interesting that you mentioned cigarette butts because here in 2023, soon to be 24, that's still the number one item that we find. And it's incredible that that even in today's world, where maybe you don't see as many people smoking, it's still the most littered item that we that we tend to find. And those can also be blown around in the wind and kind of our lightweight as well. So Bill, looking ahead, what do you think and envision the trajectory of I Love a Clean San Diego is in the coming years? That's a very uh, difficult question. And if I could really answer it well, Steve, I'd probably uh, have volunteered for the job that you have. my thoughts on that have not always been truly strategic. It's just kind of uh, more public awareness is probably what we really need. You'd be amazed at when you're doing a pickup at people who come along and ask you, hey, what are you doing? Why are all these people here? And gee whiz, I, I, I wish I'd known about that. And hopefully those people come back. The powerful multiplier is our educational department. And in there, we're teaching people how to fish. We're not giving them um, a fish as a meal. I, I think probably if that can expand so that we have greater access to schools, uh, our program there, our, our educators are out in and schools Kids from the age of 5 to 10, uh, that's a ripe and fertile ground for the environmental message. And if I had a hope, it's just to get more kids growing up with care of the environment as just a personal habit. Yeah, that's really inspiring, Bill, because I think a lot of people don't know that I Live a Clean San Diego is in schools doing presentations about um, pollution, about where our water goes when the water runs down the street and into the storm drain. And we're doing those presentations almost every day across the county in the school year. And you, your analogy was perfect that we're teaching them to fish instead of feeding them for a day, they can now fish for life. So we're teaching them these kind of sustainable messages that they will take with them into adulthood and hopefully make really well thought out conscious decisions that will help the environment beyond our lifetimes. Well, Bill, I've been inspired by our conversation today and I do have one last question for you. And it's for those listeners out there who are eager to take their first steps in becoming more environmentally aware, more environmentally active. You know, what would you suggest to those people that they can do uh, today, tomorrow, or in the coming weeks? I think the message is out there every day. To take care of our environment is a wide part of both social media, news, TV, what's left of radio, I think you have to just want to focus on the importance of how you live your life. Do you hear the signals? Uh, There are plenty of them 
uh, our work with uh, the city of San Diego, Think Blue, R1 Earth. News people on television are very good about it, but people just have to realize the results of doing things the same way they did them. They have to make changes. They have to take more note of the uh, in environment. Uh, it's, it's a difficult question to answer because it, we have to change people's behavior. People throw their butts out of a car window now. They throw trash away. Uh, maybe they don't discuss with their kids what environmental steps the kids themselves could take, what those adults are taking. They just have to want it. I don't see enough of it. Uh, our message is, is frankly, a little bit difficult to get across, but it is extremely worthwhile, and we can make a change if people will hear us. And I know I said last question, but I want to follow up with what changes have you decided to make in your own life to kind of represent this idea that you're sharing with us? You know, what, what has Bill Haynes done personally to make better choices for the environment? Probably not enough, but uh, at my household, I live alone and I try to uh, abide by all of the city's dictates, separating trash, uh, making sure recyclables go where it is. Uh, I go out and do solo pickups myself. Just if I have a spare hour, I'll go to an area that is unduly burdened with trash like Fiesta Island or Crown Point. Just do a little solo pickup. I think it starts just by using the common sense steps that the city dictates, uh, among which are our new green trash bins for recyclable items. Um, I feel remiss that I am not composting. It's, it's like the slackers I spoke of a moment ago. It's just on my list, but I'm not quite there. Well, thank you so much, Bill. You and your story uh, is an inspiration, not only to me, but I know to many San Diegans out there. And I think there's something I, I need to let the audience know is that when you go to an I Love a Clean San Diego event, and if it happens to be a cleanup, and we have those buckets you mentioned uh, to pick up the trash, uh, I know that Bill procures those buckets for us, um, donated from companies that are going to get rid of them. And in your garage right now, how many buckets would you say are, are there waiting to be used at a future cleanup? Well, most fortunately, the, the bucket movement started with about 300 uh, we've used them in two ways. Occasionally, folks will want to buy one. That's fine. We give them away at uh, our various uh, cleanups. They're used. Uh, everyone is a walking advertisement for us. It says, I love a clean San Diego on it. It has a barcode where you can go if you want to send us a little something to keep us going. Now we're down to about 60 or so, and uh, I hope they're well used and uh, uh, well utilized in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bill. You're truly a humble and inspirational guy, and we're lucky to have you on the board. And this was a privilege and an honor to get to interview you in our inaugural I Love a Clean San Diego podcast. Thanks so much, Steve. 
Welcome, Bill.